Well, you guys, let's get right into it. We're going to be in Acts chapter 11. We're going to smash out two chapters today. Just kidding, Holly. <laughs> Wait a minute. Did you have to So as we, a um, little recap, thinking about where we're at in the book of Acts right now, uh, we're at this, this shifting point, this changing point where um, um, Paul's kind of going to the back burner, Peter's coming up front to, to give us, or Luke is giving us um, the testimony of what Peter's going to go through, and Peter's, um, oh, speaking into the, the first Gentile to ever be converted to be a Christian, Cornelius. And, and uh, just the amazing part of that that we learned last week, was Cornelius was a guy that loved the Lord, it says, but he was missing Jesus. So, um, you know, it's, as we went through it last, there, oh, the whole of chapter 10 there, we just saw the conversion of, of, of Cornelius, but also we saw a conversion or a continued transformation of Peter the Apostle as he's just getting out of tradition. And, he's, and he's, the Lord is just growing him and stretching him. Well, then now, as we get into chapter 11, we're going we're gonna to get into now that um, Peter has to kind of go back and he has to defend this to the other apostles, to the other Jewish believers, other Jewish believers that believe in Christ, Christians. And so, um, you know, he's just, you can just kind of already tell, like, you know, there's going to be some pushback. And, and, um, but it comes down to where Peter's just going to, just going to talk to them. He's going to leave Joppa. He's going to go back to Jerusalem. And, um, you know, he's just got to explain to them that, that Gentiles, you know, they could come to Jesus even as Gentiles. They didn't have to be converted to, to be a Jew. And that's what we saw with Cornelius, because Cornelius was a, um, picked up these Jewish cultures and the, the Jewish traditions of um, loving God and prayer and all that stuff. But because he wouldn't be circumcised and there was some other, we can just assume like there's some dietary stuff that he would, he would not be involved with as well. Um, as far as what he can and can't eat, he just, he wasn't completely converted to Judaism. So he was allowed to be in the temples and pray and whatnot, but he couldn't be a part of the, any of the temple sacrifices. And so, um, it was just this start of Gentiles, us, every, every one of us sitting in this room today, us, our kind of people, being able to come to Jesus. And it's done, what well, we read in um, 1045, of by the Holy Spirit. So, of the whole world being one body. We have, the Bible tells us there's one God, and that's the Godhead, and then the people are the body. So it's one body. There's no, the, the, the ground at the, at the cross is level. There's no anybody above others. Jesus is Jesus is the boss and the only boss, right? So we we have this issue. We have this this where they just are constantly they're living through the the, the Mosaic law, Moses's law versus um, God's law. And there was just as we've been going through the, went through the Gospel of Mark and we're going through the Book of Acts, we just see where it's kind of just constantly being missed a little bit. Missed Jesus is being missed. Now I shouldn't say a little bit. Um, it's, it's a big deal. It's a lot of bit that it's, that it's being missed. But nevertheless, let's, um, let's get into it. Chapter 11, verse 1. 
Now the apostles and brethren who were in Judea heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of God. And when Peter came up to Jerusalem, those of the circumcision contended with him, saying, You went into uncircumcised men and ate with them? Okay, right there, this is a big enough deal that the word has traveled fast. It's traveled from Joppa, where this happened, all the way up to Jerusalem. It's a, and the, it says right in verse 1 there that these are the apostles and brethren. These are Christians. Okay, these, these are Jewish people that believe in Christ. But it's, it's a severe deal. You know, they're, they're, they're thinking, wait a minute. These guys didn't go get circumcised. They did not go clean out their fridge. They've got bacon in there. They've got, you know, there's things that this can't happen. They haven't. They haven't done these things yet to be converted to, to, a, um, to be a Jew. So, so how can this be? You know, the, the apostles didn't, didn't greet Peter with, Oh, hey, man, that's awesome. I heard Gentiles got saved. That's incredible. That's awesome. That's not what they said at all. They just, it says it right out of the gate that they contended with him. This wasn't a happy conversation. This wasn't like a, a greeting when, when Peter gets back to this. And so, you know, when we look back at, at, um, at even the Old Testament where, you know, the Jews had this idea because they're the chosen people. And we understand that they're the chosen people and, and they were even called, you know, the light of the world. But all these rabbinical teachings, it, it kind of hinders them being a light to the whole world because as we learned with Cornelius, the, like, People, Cornelius could come to them in the temple, but they weren't going out to the temple. You know, Peter, in last, um, the last chapter last week, we learned that Peter, Peter goes and tells them, you know, hey, I'm not even supposed to be coming into your house and eating with you. You know, and then he goes on to say, you know, but God has, has told me that all men are, that God has made, you know, nothing is common or unclean in men. And so... So they're not, they're just like, it's just really closed teaching. They're not, they're not getting the point of like, how are you supposed to go out and spread the word to the whole world if they're like, no, you guys can come into our temple, but I can't go and mingle with you. I can't go to your place. I can't go outside to go get you to um, come after Christ. And so it's interesting. I mean, it was, it's just like these traditions they had were so crippling they even had this idea when the, when the um, rabbis and the Jewish people would walk down the streets amongst Gentiles, they would take their robes and they would hold them close like this and they would, they would walk down the streets so that no Gentile would touch them because the second they were touched by a Gentile, they would have to go burn those clothes. They would have to go through all of these rituals to become cleansed again because they were they would instantly unclean. I mean, it was just, that's what they taught. And these are rabbis. These are, these are guys of faith. These are the guys that that Jesus constantly rebuked in the Gospels, right? Saying that you guys are missing the boat. You're missing all this stuff. And so it was just, um, I mean, obviously for one, it was, it was not biblical. It was tradition. That's all it was, is tradition. And so I think about, about tradition, and I think about, like, what, what, what traditions of ours do we jam into this? Or do we jam into our life and we're going to mix it up with the Bible and God's word? We have those things. And not all traditions are bad, you know, if it doesn't stumble us. But if, if it's a tradition that would get us to a point of, 
being frustrated with somebody else, but that tradition is not biblical, I think we have a problem. The, the same, in some capacity, the same type of problem that these guys have. Like, what of our traditions is like, you know, family and work. That, that's, that's, that's what a God-fearing man does or a God-fearing woman does. Sorry, that's not first. Jesus is first before any of that stuff, right? Jesus can take care of that stuff if Jesus is first, right? So we should think about that. What are traditions that we just are, we just got a grip on that, like we try to jam into the Bible that is not, it's just not necessary. That's just helpful for us because it doesn't need to be as complicated as we make it, right? We get in our own way sometimes with things like that. I, but as he's as we're talking about, um, you know, Peter's got this this he's this new kind of conversion you can say this this sanctification, and he's going back and he's going to talk to the these apostles and his brethren, you know, and it says in verse two there how how the circumcised these the apostles these Jewish people how they contended with him, and and were going at him saying you know you went that like their big deal was the fact that. He went in, the work that he did was going in to talk and be with these guys versus what the work of God was doing. Like they missed the boat, didn't they? The work that God was doing to save Gentiles, that's what, that's what they should have been, been focusing on. But I heard it, it's funny though, because just like when we're talking about traditions and, and the things that come with baggage of, of religion, let's say you grew up in a religious home of so, any kind of religion, and the baggage that comes with that. I heard a pastor say that um, he was thankful that his wife, when he met her, she was an atheist. And you're just like, wait a minute, what are you talking about? And he was just like, well, yeah, it was easy. There was no baggage of this is what churches, you know, so it looked like it was outside of the Bible. It was like a clean slate. You just, like, he just had to show her the gospel and, and he, there was a savior and we're all sinners and, and there's no hope. And if we're our own saviors, then we didn't need Jesus. And so he, it was just an interesting point of being thankful that his wife was an atheist when they met. He, he just had this clean state, this, this flat ground to start a foundation on. And we, man, we see that, right? As we look at other, other religions and stuff and just these things like, like you got to do this and you got to do this and you got to do this and you got to do this. And, the, and you know, um, this person is higher in the church than you guys are down here. And man, that's just not what we read in the gospel. Remember, like we were just, we see, we talked about, we'll see it again today, but we talked about it last week of, where Peter was like, no, don't praise me. You know, I'm just a man. Don't praise me. I mean, we're really getting this example of this, of getting away from tradition. And so these guys were just, again, they were just more concerned with what, what Peter did versus what God was doing, right? And so that's, as, as Peter's going up there, we're just putting ourselves in the, in, the, in the story here, and we're just like kind of cringing because, you know, when you have say a big family and, and you're having a Thanksgiving dinner or something and, and you have people from all over the country and have different ideas and different opinions and, and like what's the number one rule, right? Like you don't bring up religion and politics, right? Because, I mean, it's just going to cause a fight. And unless you're looking for a fight, which Brent always is. But if you're looking for a fight, I mean, that's different. But most of the time you're just like, I'm not even going there, right? Well, this is where Peter's going there. Like he's, this is what Peter's realizing. He's sent out to... Tell the Gentiles, and now he's got to go convince his, his brethren that, okay, look, our mission is the world, every person in the world, and we need to let the Lord move in us in that. And so in uh, verse 4, Peter's gonna, he's going to explain himself here. 
And um, so it says, But Peter explained to them in order from the beginning, saying... Now stop right there. It's very important we understand. Like, Peter's under fire here. Surely he's not comfortable with what's about to happen. And so, like, he's going to have his... In order, it says. He's going to explain what happened in very detailed order. And something not to miss is that he was very wise in the fact that he, we learned in, um, in chapter 10, he said that he brought his people with him when he left to go meet this, um, to Caesarea? Goes to town? Caesarea. Caesarea. Caesarea, that's it, thank you. When he goes to Caesarea, he brings some of his people, quote unquote, you know, like, he brings them with him. So now what the, what's wisdom about that is like, he, had, he brought people with him to back up what was going to happen. The Lord said, guys are coming. They're going to meet you. You're going to go with them, and you're going to tell them what they must do. Right? And so Peter's like, okay, I need guys to come with me. So they're going to be able to like, testify what happened here, which is what makes things true. Right? The account, people's accounts. And then the more the people that see and hear the same thing, the more it's a reliable source. So that's what he's doing, and he's, and he's explaining it in just like the perfect detail, um, as perfect detail as he can to get it, to get it exactly right. He's got he's to ask these guys, these apostles, he's got to ask them and, and get them to focus on shifting their entire idea of Christianity, of following Jesus. So it's a big deal. So in verse 5, he goes on to explain to, um, to his brethren what's going on. So he says, I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision. And an object descending like a great sheet let down from heaven by four corners, and it came to me. When I observed it intently and considered, I saw four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, and birds of the air. And I heard a voice saying to me, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But I said, Not so, Lord, for nothing common or unclean has at any time entered my mouth. I feel like right there, like he's, because it's worded a little different in chapter 10, how he says, when he says the not so part, like right here, he's like pleading with the guys, like, guys, even to this point, like, tell us nothing has ever entered my mouth unclean. You guys got to trust me that I was righteous in the Jewish way before this point. But I'm going to go ahead and tell you how we can change now. That's the way I see it in the movie in my head. I'm sure you guys all agree, right? Okay, clever old saying. Verse 9. But the voice answered me again from heaven. What God has cleansed, you must not call common. Now this was done three times. And all were drawn up again into heaven. At that very moment, three men stood before the house where I was. Having been sent to me from Caesarea. What is it? Caesarea. Caesarea, that's what I said, you guys. <laughs> then the Spirit told me to go with them, doubting nothing. Moreover, this, these six brethren accompanied me, and we entered the man's house. And he told us how he had seen an angel standing in his house, who said to him, Send men to Joppa and call for Simon, whose surname is Peter, who will tell you the words which you and all your household will be saved. That's the part right there, you guys, that didn't say it directly last chapter but we get it right here cornelius was it says was a god-fearing man who prayed all the time 
but was not saved until he talked to Peter. It says it right here. He would tell you words by which you and all your household will be saved. And as, as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them as upon us at the beginning. If we back up to verse 10, where it says, now this was done three times. I think it would be wise for all of us as we're going through the scripture to realize when God says, because he says it twice in Peter re, retells this account twice in chapter um, 10. Okay, God's, God's trying to get something through our heads, everybody's heads. He says it twice. Well, this is the third time he said it. God's saying, I don't think God wastes time repeating himself, right? So it's a big deal. He's like, it's, this is a serious thing. That he's like over and over and over trying to get to this point to understand which the, the point is right there in verse 9. What God has cleansed, you must not call common. And when Peter's talking about that in chapter 10, verse 28, Peter says that God has shown me that, uh, shown me that I should not call any man. It's not talking about the food and everything that's on the blanket. That any man, we should not call them any man common or unclean. That's the point of this that he's really trying to get hammered home to these guys. And he's trying to get, because of this tradition, these, like, they just, they were judging the Gentiles, right? They were, they were unbiblically judging the, the Gentiles. And can't we relate with judging people when we see somebody? I mean, we do. Someone shows up with a bunch of tattoos and earrings and this and that. And, and you're, you know, you kind of, first thing goes through your mind, like, ooh, what's this character, right? Well, if he's a believer of Jesus and he's repented and come to Christ... He's no different than us. Well, that can go the other way. You know, you have the, out, the outside world. I've heard it personally. I've heard it repeatedly. Like, well, the Christians are the worst. They're the, they're the most, um, they're the most, uh, when you say one thing, do another. Hypocritical. Hypocritical. They're the worst, right? Well, if you understand a Christian, a Christian, if they're, if they're trying to go out and tell people about the good news of Jesus, it's not because they're saying, we're better than you. It's because, man, our heart, our heart is broken for what breaks the Lord. And it's to see anybody go to hell. Okay, and so like that's what that's like they're judging as well, and, and we just we get to this point of man, we, we shouldn't be judging at all. Uh, in town today at church um, is sermon slash something. I don't know what you would call it. Uh, I mean, it was a certain testimony, yeah. And I would encourage you guys seriously encourage you to get online and listen to it because it was it was incredible. And so it was uh, um, Rory's brother-in-law. And um, so he came up and he just, Rory kind of went back over um, John chapter 9 and 10 and is talking about Jesus um, healing a blind man and then Jesus being the good shepherd and, and watching over his flock. And, and so this guy's um, testimony, which a lot of our testimonies do because that blind man, it just speaks of us outside of Christ, we are born blind. We're born into sin, we're born blind. Until we find Christ, we cannot see, truly. Okay, and so we see that example, and then, so we see that in, in this guy's testimony, and a lot of our testimonies, with, um, this is one of those amazing testimonies, um, and if you do go watch it, I'm going to ruin a little bit for you, but uh, just this guy, you know, grew up and sounds like a pretty broken home, and, um, you know, really broken home, and then got into drugs, and, 
and got so bad into drugs that like he was living in his, his dad's uh, garage and um, his dad really wouldn't let him go in the house because he would be stealing money and stuff from his dad to go buy drugs and all this stuff. And, and he owed this drug dealer a bunch of money and the drug dealer throws a bomb in the window of the garage where the, his bed was to kill him. And that morning he happened to be in um, showering. And so he's in showering and this bomb goes off, lands right in his bed where he should have been laying in the morning where he would have been sleeping. You know, he didn't have a job. And um, Anyhow, it was just this amazing testimony. And what, getting back to the judging thing is, is um, and this guy loves the Lord now. I mean, like he's on fire for the Lord. He loves the Lord. He's saved. Um, he's very involved in the church and just wanting, wanting people to know Jesus. He has that heart. He's like, I've got to tell everybody I can about Jesus. You know, the, the train tracks are out and everybody's on it. And I've got to get, I got to run around frantically and tell them so that they don't go off the cliff and die with this, where the train tracks are out, right? And you look at this guy and he's tattooed up everywhere. And if you were to see him on the street or, or if, you know, you're maybe you knew him prior or something, you're going to look at him and you're just going to be like, this isn't a God-fearing guy. And this guy is as righteous as, as it gets now, right? So this, this judgmental stuff can just really cripple us. It was, it was crippling these apostles and stuff up to this point where they really need to let go of this stuff and see what the Word says. Um, so, where was I at here? Oh, and then so we go into, you know, in verse 12 there where um, it's funny, you know, Peter's, he's talking to him, he's re- reciting the story of what happened, how he come to this of the, the Gentiles being saved without being turned, um, without converting to Judaism. And he just straight up tells him in verse 12 there at the end, he says, we entered the man's house. It's, you know, he's just like totally telling on himself and he's not supposed to be going in into their houses, let alone talking to them or anything unless they come into, into their, um, into their temple. But it goes on in, uh, verse 16. And this is a big one, you guys. It says, then I remembered the word of the Lord, how he said, John indeed baptized with water, but you shall baptize with the Holy Spirit. And the important part here is that Peter gets to this point where he's defending and he's defending and he's even, it's almost like he's reliving it as he's defending it too. And he's just like, okay, yes, like we, the, this guy saw an angel, right? And how about, how about this? Let me back up for just a second. So this angel went into this Gentile's house. God sent an angel into the Gentile's house. So God and angels can be around Gentiles, but you can't, right? Like there's a ton of stuff here that just, shouldn't have been missed it's it's just being pulled out and drawn out so um back to this part though of remembering that the word of the lord that's the that's what really got peter where he saw these magnificent things like right he he heard, had a vision himself of the sheet coming down then he heard of this um got an angel talked to this guy and sent people up to his house and all of a sudden oh knock knock on the door oh there's some guys like right this is like some tangible, real things that happened that, you know, got his attention. But what really put the nail in the coffin, what really sealed it for him, is where he, he put it back against God's word, right? He tested it against God's word. He remembers back here to the word of God, which solidified that it was real. And so the point there, the big thing there that we don't want to miss is these things that can happen 
need to line up with the Word of God. Or you can get out there, right? Things can get way out there. Modern day prophets. I'm not saying there's not prophets these days. I believe there is. But what I am saying is, like I personally have someone in my family that is um, quote unquote a prophet. Maybe, maybe not. Um, But it's the same kind of stuff of like, come up with new stuff. God just brought them this new word that no other church has ever heard. That should be a red flag. If it's not tested, and then, so if then you would say, okay, show me that in the Bible where it says that, and it was usually a rabbit trail of so many things that you're just, your head's spinning, you're like, I don't know what you're talking about, where are we? You know, and so you just, you see those things, and it even comes to a point of like, um, this particular person says, when I'm saying, talking about testing against the God's word, would say, um, you know, I just was having trouble in my church, back and forth, in and out of the church. Didn't, just having, it was real rocky with them. And finally, I just asked God to, you know, Lord, I don't want to learn from man. I just want to learn directly from you. I don't want to learn from man at all. It's, it's too messy and mucky. And so I prayed that. And so now I, I sit in my house every day and, and I read the Bible and I don't go to church. And I have no one to bounce the scripture off of. I have no leadership over me that are scholars or scribes or have done the work. To, to know more about it, I've got it all figured out because I learned directly from God. Well, if you guys, if listening to anything we've been going through with the book of Acts, the church is not by itself. Before this point, when Saul of Tarsus in chapter 8 starts scattering it out, we're talking megachurch. Thousands and thousands and thousands of people as one, in one, with one accord, it says. Church, together, the people. So it's just, you... The point is, is it just gets out there if it's not tested against the word. And that's exactly what Peter did to solidify this to the apostles that, that knew Jesus, loved Jesus, but were missing something. And so it's valid. It's an interesting saying I heard one time of, like, if it's new, it isn't true. Everything that has happened as far as sin or anything, it's happened. It's not new. But the new things that are going on in the world, like all this nastiness has happened before. Satan is not creative. He's actually, he's like, he just goes, doesn't he attack you in the same spot all the time? Like, he's not creative. It's happened before. Verse 17. If therefore God gave them the same gift as he gave us when we believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could withstand God? Well, here's what Peter didn't do. He said, he didn't say, I'm the Pope, just do what I tell you. He didn't say that, right? And then here he's saying, these guys, these guys believed on Christ just the same as we did. Who, who, could, who am I to say that they, they can't? Like, they're, they're following Christ. They love Christ. They're, they're repenting of sin, as we're going to see here. And they're, they're coming to Christ in repentance to life. That's what really, in this story, that's what seals these guys up. That's what changes their thought process. If therefore God gave them the same gift as he gave us when we believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that, that I could withstand God? Who was I that I could say, no, I'm still going to go with tradition and the way I always used to do stuff? 
I think that's um. I think that's a good word for us. I mean, that's that's like at this point, this is his last hurrah. He's just like you almost hear it in his voice, like he's like like a deep breath, like guys, who who am I? Like, who am I to say that this is wrong? And then in verse eighteen, it says, "When they heard these things, they became silent." Isn't that a really good sign of when someone's just like, "Okay, I'm either." Thinking of something like in ignorance because I just, I have nothing to say because I just got stumped, but I'm trying to find something or it's like reflecting on, man, I just was wrong. I just, I just had it wrong. I didn't figure it out. But God's word changed that. Do we, are we, are we that humble? Are we that humble to have our minds changed by, by God's word? To be thinking, this isn't just a word for unbelievers. You know, this is this is a very good word for believers. Like, this is what we think how the life a life of Christ looks and works. But are we humble enough to be like, man? Scripture says different. Can we can we be silent for a second and just and reflect and be like, no? Can we can we be silent and humble enough to let the Holy Spirit do some work of some conviction? of some change and growth in us. Man, Satan would love to keep us right here. Nothing's wrong. Everything's good. Maybe some little dips, but like, really, everything's fine. I don't, I don't really need Jesus. Like, Satan wants us right there. That's where he wants us to stay. The, the Gospels, Jesus constantly talks about these valleys and, and the lows and the highs and needing, like, that's why we get to go through them and you guys, like, Listen to the, today's teaching in town, this, this testimony, because you want to talk about the lows and the highs and just like relying on God and why, does that, why do these bad things happen to us and, and, and just like sticking to Christ for any kind of strength to get through that. Man, listen to that from today. Like, I, I was almost in tears as this guy's talking. I was just like, it hit home to me of, of um. I guess the part that really hit home to me where he talks about freedom. I remember um, my cousin asking me, I'm sure I've told some of you this, but he, during hunt season, he says, everybody left, it was just us. And he said something like, you know, Joe, what changed you? And, and just kind of we're talking through it. And I just like was trying, I was just searching for the right words to say, to like want him to reach out and grab on to not me, to, to Christ and like, man, because the Holy Spirit was obviously working on me. If he's going to ask me that question. And uh, I just remember like, it just, just hit me. It was just like, dude, freedom. Freedom. That's what, like, just like getting rid of all this junk and all this garbage. And like, I just, all these things of the world that were not, I was trying to, was trying to be the fix. Like, I, oh, the next thing, the next thing, the next thing. Or if I get this job or if I make this, whatever it was, like, it was just freedom from that. And, and I remember telling him that and just like, I was like, yeah, that's the word. That's, that's the word of Jesus coming into your life and just um, getting you to this place where you, where you just realize you're absolutely bankrupt without him. You know, then it's freedom. And this guy's testimony in town was incredible because it was a bunch of bad, nasty stuff. And that's what he, that's what he said. It was like this freedom that just released him when he finally just lost it at a Bible study that someone tried to get him to and paid him a pack of cigarettes to go to it. I mean, it's amazing. And uh, 
he he goes and and that's what that's what it hits where he just like freedom. It just like he and I know it's weird as Christians they start bawling and lose their mind when when they come to Christ. But you hey, whatever it takes to feel that freedom and the weight gone. Does it come back and then do we? Yeah, but now we're starting with a foundation that's strong and it gets to it keeps us going. Where we yep down, but you know what? Christ is with me. And they talked about I don't know what song it was Dustin. Maybe you remember about the. Um, Though you walk with me through the shadow in the valley of death, or fear, fear no evil. That got me too, you guys. Like I just, it, I, like I just, because that's what he was he was thinking of, and that's what kind of kept him going through some stuff. And his wife as well. She talked about some stuff, and uh, and man, do you think about that when you're in the valleys and in the darkness, and and just like whatever bad spot it is. Some people's darkness and lows are different. It doesn't matter. But when you're in that, and just like this thought and this image. You guys are going to laugh. Like, I'm just thinking of like, Lord, I just want to be a big stout pack mule. Like, just pack it on and just give me the strength to keep just plugging, no matter how bad it gets. And it just, it just resonated me with that, that freedom and just being in the dark and the valley and the shadow of death. Death is just over the top of us. We're all, every second is clicking on right now, we're closer to death. We all know that. That's reality. So in that shadow of death, like, man, I, like, I just I fear no evil. I don't want to fear evil. I, want, I just want Jesus in my life. I want that freedom where there's just nothing but Christ just giving me the strength to be that, that pack mule. Just, I don't care. Put more on. I can handle more weight. But the end part here, you guys, this end part in um, verse 18, when these guys, they hear these things, they became silent. And they realized it. And there, there, was, there was the other side of the coin of the ignorance. And it, they glorified God saying, then God has also. So they're just saying, you know what? I'm in. I hear what you're saying. I believe it 100%. You showed us in the scripture. Um, you have this testimony with these guys that are with you. And so we're in. We believe you. God has also granted to the Gentiles repentance to life. Now we need to remember and it's good for us that believe in repentance and it's good for us that, that don't believe in repentance as much. It's just simply turning around and going the other way. It's simply changing your thought process. That is repentance. It's going, so you can just visualize it. Like, so you turn around and you're walking, so you're walking in sin and self. That's what, that's what sin is. That's what living outside of Christ is. Sin and self. Because everything's about yourself in one way or another. I guarantee it. And so you're going this way, and repenting is just like turning and going this way. And the awesome thing about that is, is when you're going this way, and you're turned away from sin and self, and you're turned towards Jesus, you're getting closer to Him, and you're getting farther away from sin. You see how that works? Super easy thing to think about. And the amazing thing is, is they're giving God the credit for the repentance and sin. I can repent anytime I want. Oh, really? Who gave the idea to repent? The Holy Spirit. Amen. Jesus. God gave you the idea to repent. You don't repent on your own. You can try to claim that if you want. But the reality is, how do you know to repent? Why? How do you know good from evil? Jesus. So Jesus gives us that ability. Then he also gives us the choice to say, you know what, I'm, I'm tired of this sin and self that is not filling any holes that I've been trying to fill. And so these guys glorified God and we're just on board. Repentance is granted to us.
you guys, that's it for today. I'm going to stop there. We can go farther, but I think we'll just cut that in half. It's been probably too long already.